Right, tonight we are in Ephesians chapter 6. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I didn't hear any amens from the back row back there where my kids are, so I don't, I don't know how I feel about that, you know. They're like, you tell us to be quiet and listen in church, Dad. We don't generally answer and yell, except for the little ones. They like to answer, but they're, well, they're back there somewhere. All right, so last week, we, we, or last couple of weeks, we've talked about marriage. We've talked about, and we talked about in First Peter, we talked about marriage, specifically more about wives that first time. We talked about husbands last week. Uh, we've talked about any number of things out of Ephesians chapter uh, 5. And now we're in chapter 6, and we're turning from the relationship between husband and wife to that of children and their parents. In other words, what is it supposed to be like? How in the, the economy of the family, how are we supposed to respond to our children? And how are children supposed to respond to their parents? So in the if you look, think about this current age we live in, we see less examples of biblical families and a lot more uh, examples of broken homes. I remember as we moved back to the States, I'll be honest, I was shocked. I mean, we'd been going a while, but as we started doing ministry in the States, what I recognize is that children that were coming to church were coming with their grandparents. And as you begin to ask about their families, nobody lived with a father or mother. It might be a weekend here and a weekend there. And that's the reality that many children live in. And so I think this teaching today is very, very important to us as we think about what a healthy family can look like. And I know that there's people already in those situations. And listen, there's hope for them too, right? God hasn't abandoned them. He hasn't forgotten them. But we want to come back and we want to begin teaching. What does the Bible teach us about parents and children? Uh, for many, home and family have not always been a positive influence, right? You talk to some people about their family. We talk about even the concept of God as father. And some people get upset because their father was not a good father. And we recognize that, but we want to look at the ideal family, the ideal father as God has planned it and designed it to be. As we look in the Bible, a husband marrying a wife, forming a new family, and raising their children was the norm this was God's ideal plan for his people. Today we're going to look at their, that relationship, those relationships within the family. We've already read the text. So we look back at verse 1. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now the, the root word there, obey, it has the, the sense, if you go back and look it up, it, it means to hear, right? And so there's a connection between hearing and listening and obeying. I mean, don't we say that? You need to listen hear what I'm saying, would you stop it talking and listen for a moment, right? And we get frustrated and we get all those things, but the text is clear. Children, you need to listen to and obey your parents. Now, this is the path of righteousness that God has ordained. In other words, adults demanding obedience isn't simply a matter of convenience for us, right? Like, it's not just for me if I tell my kids, 
hey, I need you to do this. It's not just for me, is it? It's not just because I want them to do what I want them to do. According to this text, there is uh, something good in following the rules. The path of righteousness has been ordained by God. In other words, God has said, obey your parents. And we've already studied in Proverbs where, where there was life in following the way of Jesus, right? And so it is meant to be a good thing for us as children to follow our parents. How many of you ever as children sometimes didn't listen and it got you in a whole lot of trouble, right? Because you thought, I know better, and if I do this, this will be fine. Next thing you know, you might have been injured, or your friend was injured, or the car was broken, or whatever it might be. Um, I, I just, I'm sure some of you have good stories. Anybody got one they want to share? I mean, it's Sunday night, so we can share stories if we want to. Uh, you don't have to, but if you think of a good one, you can tell me afterwards because we all need a good laugh sometimes, right? But I think back to my childhood, and there were things where if I would have just listened to my parents, I would have saved myself some trouble, right? And I, honestly, right now, I'm kind of blanking on like a good example of that. But if I think of one, I'll tell you as well. Uh, but that's just part of it. But it's good for us. So when I tell my kids, you need to obey your parents. It's not for me to put them down. It's not that I'm insulting their intelligence and telling them I don't think what they think matters or what they care about matters. This is the way that God has decided, decided for children to learn about Him and to be raised in a Christian home. It's God's ordained method. Now, um, obeying your parents is good for you. If you look at verses 2 and 3, in the text here it says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is found in verse 3. So that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. That's a pretty good promise, isn't it? I mean, that's not, that's not just kind of, okay, if you listen to your parents. Well, this is good because what this is saying is if you would follow the instructions of your parents, learn how to live as a Christian person. Live as the Lord has shown them how to live. Learn from their experiences. If you will listen to those teachings, it means long life for you. Now, we know that life doesn't always last as long as we want. Some lives are, are cut short in God's providence. But at the same time, don't we know that He can add life to your years? In other words, you may not live as long, but you'll have a better life by following Jesus than you would by not following Him. And so that's what this promise is saying. Look, it is better for you in general to follow your parents, to listen to their instructions. Now, I believe this is referencing Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and flip over there myself. Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16. It says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You guys hear it's the same promise, right? This is coming. This is one of the Ten Commandments. There's a promise here. Honor your father and your mother. And not only there is honor and not just obey. In the New Testament, he says, obey your parents. But don't those two go together? If you're a child and you honor 
and respect your parents and recognize that in the home they are an authority and that they are supposed to be teaching you about God and it's beneficial for you to listen to them and God has asked you to submit to them. If those things happen for you, there's a promise that comes with it. All right, And so that's what I want you to see. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, when we obey, there are some inherent blessings that come with it. The children were to obey their parents, and it was for their good. Now, in a minute, we're going to go on to study these verses about parents, and we'll come back to this. But know that parents are charged with teaching their children the way of righteousness, God's truth, and His commandments. To like, I'm not in charge, for instance, of Gideon learning about Jesus, right? Who is? Well, let's be Josh and Tanya, right? And hopefully grandparents are going to help out. And, and yes, the church is part of that, right? Don't we teach and we do a lot of things? We should have programs. We should have classes. All that is good. But at the end of the day, where does the responsibility lie for teaching our children about God? It's with the family, right? I'm looking at Josh back there, you know? He just kind of laying out back there. looks all chill in the sound room. Look at him. So we get in the text. This, uh, turns, well, you don't have to turn there, but listen, this is Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 and 23. My son, observe the commandment of your father. Do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is a light. And reproofs for discipline are the way of life. So the message to the children in the room is what? Listen to your parents as they instruct you in the ways of the Lord. And they will be a light to you. It says, tie that when you walk about, they will guide you. And so if we will orientate our life about what the Scripture says, and specifically as children, go with it as our godly parents lead us, to that knowledge, then won't it be better for us? It will. And I'm, I'm thankful, you know, in some ways, I, I didn't grow up in a church, and so I'm not thankful for that, but I am thankful that God still, in His providence, protected me from some things. My parents were very conservative in a lot of ways. They kept us out of a lot of trouble that we could have gotten into, and so uh, I don't have one of these crazy testimonies that some people have, right? But, my, but at the same time, it's beautiful when you hear a testimony of someone who was raised up in the church where they were able to avoid some of the pitfalls that a lot of us have to be stubborn and go through because God rescued them at an early age and they were able to listen to their uh, parents and uh, I mean everybody makes some mistakes right everybody has their issues along the way but so much better if we would raise our children to know the Lord Uh, none of my kids are look, making eye contact with me. So, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to teach your kids that, right? They're like, yeah, of course he's up there teaching that. And my daughter's like, she's showing me her notes back there. She's got a whole page of them. And uh, so she's listening. So as godly parents instruct their children, they give them wisdom. Children, your parents are trying to help you. Let their teachings guide you. Their words are supposed to be a light and a lamp. How many of you ever... You got some of you live in the country, right? You ever been out in the woods at night without a flashlight or without some kind of light? It's kind of creepy, isn't it? 
It gets dark. You don't know where you're going. It says, this says the teaching of your parents, they teach you the way of righteousness. It's supposed to be like a lamp to guide you through that darkness. As you go through this world, you need that light. And I'll, I'll never forget this. Uh, what, a year and a half ago, we went camping with my brother. And he has, a, he has about 200-something acres. And we were camping way back in there. And he had a post, right? And he showed the kids where this post was during the day, way up the road, about probably a half, good half mile or more from the camp. And he, put, he, he said, listen, I'm going to put $20 on that post. And if one of you guys will go get it in the dark at night, I'll give you that $20. And he'd been doing this with his kids, and I don't think any of them took him up on the offer. And Samuel back there, next thing I know, I'm like, where's Samuel? He's right up the road. It was pitch black. It was dark. I think he got pretty scared and, and some other things. But guess what? He made it and got that $20. But you know what? That trip wouldn't have been nearly as scary with a flashlight, would it? You know, when you have a lamp, when you have, I, when you have a lamp and you've got something to guide you, things are a lot better, isn't it? But when you're out in the dark, it's scary. And I tell you what, there were coyotes out there because I could hear them, and I, I was following behind, trying not to get too close, so he wouldn't know I was there. But I was kind of following behind, trying to catch up to him, make sure he was okay, because they had, you know, you could hear the coyotes, and then some sheep dog. There's some. Uh, shepherding dogs down the way and all that barking at night gets kind of creepy right but it's dark the word of the lord is a lamp for us it's a light to guide our path and so is the instruction of a godly parent teaching their children to live according to his righteousness now then it comes to this as we get back into ephesians here it says in verse 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The first command there is to not provoke your children to anger. So as we think about it, this is not a one-sided relationship, is it? When you get into the family structure, it's not that all bets are off. The, the father or mother is a dictator and the children do everything they say and that's it, right? How many of you were raised that way, though? I mean, there's times where it feels like that, right? Your parents are just, hey, this is how it's got to be. You don't ask questions. But when you look at this, it says, don't provoke your children to anger. Think about right before this, it told wives to submit to their husbands. And I pointed out that in day-to-day -day experience, though, we are all Christians, all equal in value of God's worth. And so we're to treat our wives with respect. It's the same way with parents and children. That you might be the father, you might have the authority to instruct them in the way of the Lord, but guess what? It doesn't give us an excuse to abuse our children. It doesn't give us an excuse to be overly harsh with them. What it's telling us is we have to respect our children as well as people made in the image of God. As whole people, not half people, not just little people, not what we want to, whatever you want to call it. We have to recognize they are fully responsible to God at some point, and they are beloved of Him, and they have been placed in our care. And so it says, do not provoke your children to anger. The parent is the authority in the relationship, but, that never, but we must never forget that Christ is the head of the Father, right? In the marriage, isn't that what we were told? Wives, submit to your husbands. 
But the husband had to recognize that Christ was the head of the husband. It's the same way here. You are in charge of your children, but only in the Lord. Christ is the one who should be in charge of all things. Now, the purpose of this is that the child will grow up to know the Lord and what it means to walk with him. The second half of this verse gives us more information about what Paul is talking about. He says, so again, going back to this, he said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents are obligated to teach their children about God and his commandments. They need the gospel, but children also need to recognize right and wrong to understand God's commands. So the responsibility to raise your children belongs on who? The parents, right? It really is. And I think we live in a day and age where we want to kind of maybe give that to somebody else, right? Maybe we... I, I taught for a little while. And I was teaching in high school. And it's interesting when you start talking to teachers, same teachers that I had when I was a kid, right, that I was working with. And when I was a kid, man, if you messed around, the teacher got a hold of you. And if the teacher got a hold of you, they told your parents, and then your parents got a hold of you, right? When I came to work there, all these years later, I'd been out of high school, I guess about 10 years when I went to work at that school. And I get there, and I realize it didn't work that way anymore. If the kid got in trouble, the parents showed up and said, why did you do this? And you're thinking, what did I do? Your kid didn't turn in his homework for three weeks. Right? And we've been sending notes home so that you would know. And you begin to recognize parents are saying the school system's job and responsibility is to raise my children. Is that what we find in the scripture? Now, I'm not knocking the school system when I say that. I'm not telling you that it's wrong to put your kids in the school system. What I'm telling you is you still have a responsibility to raise your kids in the discipline of the Lord. Now, as we look, think about that idea, uh, we have to recognize that we have to teach them right from wrong. We have to teach them the gospel, but also more about life, the wisdom of how to live. You know that you are the shepherds of their hearts. And you have to be able to lead them in the way that they are supposed to go. You should influence them in ways no one else can. So, I'll just if you still have your Bible open, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Anybody got any fun stories yet for me about when you didn't listen to your parents while you're turning there? I mean, I know Bobby's got a few. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 12. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob, to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not fill, and hewn cisterns which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Do you guys hear what that verse said or what those, that passage said? They were to teach their children diligently the ways of the Lord. They were, it said they were to talk about them when they're sitting down in their house, as they're going by the way, as they're going around towns, they're traveling on the road, when you lie down, when you rise up. Rise up. It talks about binding them as a sign on your hand and, and they should be as frontals on your forehead. We don't do that stuff today, right? We're not tying them around our hands. We don't have little boxes with the scripture written in it. But the idea is, listen, as we go through our normal routines, we find ways to remember the Lord, to pray together, to read scripture together, to talk about what God has done for us. And every family might do that differently, but nevertheless, we all have the responsibility, right? And if they were to do it under the covenant, the Mosaic law, how much more should we do it? knowing the grace that we have and how we've been rescued by Jesus. To just tell them, listen, this is what God has done for you. This is what he's done in the past. And this is how he's instructed us to live. The purpose here is that the child, child would grow up to know the Lord, know what it means to walk with him. And notice how they are to be careful that the next generation, as they get there and things are comfortable, they won't forget it. Because that is the danger. Do you guys know... Uh, we're always one generation away from the church disappearing in this country. All it takes is for us to not pass on the gospel to the next generation. Now, the church isn't going to stop. It's going to be somewhere. It might be in another country. God is always moving. But what we do know is we have to be faithful to teach our children. A few questions here. Do you teach your children in the Bible? Do you pray together? Do they see you confess your sins when you mess up? Can they tell you tell that you actually love the Lord? You know, it's hard. Have you guys ever had to tell your children, man, I really messed that up? I wasn't right when I said that. I wasn't right when I did that. It's hard, isn't it? It's not fun, but isn't that part of the life that we live? It really is. And, and I, I know there's times where, where parents aren't good at that, and it's hard. But we have to be faithful to do that. God's plan is for most discipleship to happen in the home. Certainly the church will teach your children. Certainly they will see children need to be here for corporate worship to see what we're doing, to participate in that. Uh, but ultimately, the command to raise our children in the discipline of the Lord is given to us, the parents. And it cannot be passed off to someone else. Thankfully, a lot of us have good grandparents who are also able to participate. And I encourage you, if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent, continue to pour in to the next generations. Continue to raise them in the admonition of the Lord as well, right? Because you guys still have a role to play in this. Now, Proverbs 13, 24. I just want to add this one to the sermon here. It says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him gently. You guys know that verse, right? How many of you heard that over and over again in your life? Don't spare the rod, right? Somebody tell me, what does that mean? What are we talking about? Discipline, okay? 
Yeah. So there's a few things. I, I've heard this told many ways. I have, I have met people who brag about how terrible their parents beat them. It's like, well, I don't spare the rod. My dad didn't spare the rod. And they talk about sometimes these extreme cases. And it's strange to me, we kind of glorify, well, when I was a kid, we got, we, it was done this way or this way. And so I want to tell you that I'm not saying physical discipline is never out of the question because I think uh, there is a place for that in the text. But when you, when you talk about he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently, what that means is as he goes astray, you prod him back into the right place, right? doesn't mean you beat your child. And so there's, there's a definite balance to this where we have to be very careful that this is not an excuse. Like the culture would hear this verse and say, listen, that's just an excuse to beat your children. And that is not what this passage is saying, isn't it? And I think it says this is important. It says he disciplines him diligently. That is, you don't let this get out of hand. You Little by little, you are careful with how you do this. You guys, if you ever begin to read on discipline your children, it always tells you one thing. Do not discipline in anger. But we've all experienced it, probably. At some point, your parent got angry, and you got disciplined probably in a way that wasn't appropriate. But listen, we've probably all done it as well, to some degree. And we have to be careful to look at what the text says. When I think of this passage, I think of the shepherd's rod. You guys ever seen a shepherd? They always carry a stick. Because sometimes those sheep just want to go the wrong way, and it's dangerous for them. And I have seen them prod those sheep back. I've never seen one just take that rod and beat that sheep with it. We have to be disciplined. There has to be diligently. There needs to be a plan. Uh, we could talk about some of this for a long way, but when you discipline children, when you raise children, they have to know the expectations and the consequences, right? It can't just be, I, I got upset. I used to laugh, uh, not laugh because it was kind of sad, but uh, where we lived overseas, they didn't believe in disciplining children. And so they really just said, kids are children, it's fine, they don't know any better, and it would just get awful sometimes and I remember there was a mall and it had a grocery store in it so we were we would go there and they had a playground inside the mall and I would just watch sometimes how the children and parents interacted and I remember just watching over and over again parents that would just put up with oh it's fine it's fine you could see the them holding in the anger right and then finally I remember this one lady she took a water bottle full of water and she just whacked that kid upside the head. Because she didn't discipline diligently. She waited till she couldn't hold it in, and she exploded. Now, is that what this verse is talking about? It is not. And so we have to be careful of that. And unfortunately, we see a lot of examples of that. But I don't know how many times overseas I saw that because, again, it was just part of the culture of, well, we don't discipline children. Uh, you don't until you get fed up and angry but the lord wants them to be raised in the right way proverbs twenty-two fifteen says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child the rod of discipline will remove it far from him notice that foolishness it says is bound up in the heart of a child 
It's natural that a child will seek to go their own way. It's natural that they will sometimes go down the wrong path, and you have to lead them back. It's the shepherd's rod. The sheep needs directing. The shepherds use the rod to redirect them. And so again, if it involves physical punishment, we must be careful. The parent must not, be, must not provoke his child to anger, must be careful not to punish in anger, must be measured. It must serve to lead the child back on the right path. Now, as we get kind of ready to close this down a little bit, according to research, 23% of American homes live with just one parent and no other adult in the house. That's pretty much one out of four, right? I don't, I, yeah, and that number is probably going up very quickly, okay? The worldwide number is only 7%, by the way, so we're way above average around the world for uh, the broken homes. In other words, there's definitely been a breakdown of the family, and at the same time, children in the U.S. are less likely to have extended relatives in the home as well. So in a lot of places around the world, if there is a husband and wife who are divorced or separated or whatever the case may be, there's often other relatives that live in the home that can kind of make up some of the difference. But we don't do that as much here. And so we find that kid, children are more isolated. The reality is that many children don't experience the family as God intended it. Many of you might have been raised in single parents' home. And so I'm not here to blame single parents. They already have, uh, have probably realized the challenges that they face. Instead, I want to challenge all of us to recognize that we may need to look for ways that we can help those hurting families. In other words, the problem's already there, right? The situation's there. We can't fix that. But we might be able to begin to spend time helping some of those single parents, helping those children, teaching, offering just ways to spend time with them, finding ways that we can help. Some of you are helping your grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Some of you are helping others in the community. We have to keep seeking opportunities to teach the young people the ways of the Lord. They need the gospel, and they need help. And if we just went and surveyed this neighborhood, how many children are there out there that need father figures? That need a mother, someone that can help them understand who the Lord is, understand what it's like to live a life of righteousness. The community needs us. They really, really do. We have to teach these truths about the family to young people. Children are a blessing. We have a God-given duty to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It does take a lot of work. You don't let a tablet or phone do your parenting. You can't contract it out to somebody else. It's your responsibility. That's hard. And I'm speaking, I mean, I think I'm looking around. The only parents in here tonight are Josh and Tanya and myself and Allie. So, you know, I'm looking at us, right? It's, it's hard sometimes. And you guys have already been there. And you've got some wisdom to share, some mistakes that you made that you can share with us, some good things that you did that you can share with us. And so we appreciate your patience. We appreciate your uh, help and your faithfulness. Lastly, I'll say this. Show your children your faith. Show them that you trust God. Let them see that you are vulnerable, that you're a praying parent, that you're confessing sin, that you're training yourself in righteousness. Let them see your faith and trust in God even when things aren't going well for you. 
And I think it's important that we continue to model this for our children. Now, as we get ready to close, I've got a couple books, and I've got more than one copy of this one. So if anybody wants it, it's there. This is Shepherding Child's Heart. It's a fantastic book. And what it wants to do is it, it's a study that gets the reality of, you know, are you really concerned about your child's behavior so much or what's going on in his heart? The spiritual condition. And that the behavior is usually coming from the heart, right? And it's to give, it gives a lot of practical advice, but a lot of biblical study as well. And by the way, there is a Bible study, parent handbook version of this. And I'll tell you this, if, if we thought this church or community would need it, I'd be glad to lead this Bible study. It's a good study, something that we can offer to people because there's a lot of people out there going, I don't know what to do. And I think it's, it, anything we can do to be helpful is good. But this is a good resource. I encourage you, if you, if you have children or grandchildren, to, to read it. Uh, like I said, I have, I have a couple of copies, and we can certainly get more. But it's just a great book to begin to think about what God teaches us about parenting. Now, we're about to close. This is a little bit smaller uh, group, so do we have questions tonight? Comments? Anything you'd like to share? It's always scary to do, especially when we're live on Facebook. So he wants to know where the manual is that we were promised, right? (laughs) What is the best way to be slow to anger towards children? Uh, Well, it doesn't start with children, right? Miss Susan says, start getting them control, under control before it gets out of control. And listen, are there days you're going to be angry? Yeah, I mean, doesn't scriptures, we've already studied this. It says, be angry, but do not sin. It's how we respond to that anger that gets us. Can we stop and cool off with a level head? And we talked about some of that Wednesday because that, that hot tempered thing comes up over and over again in Proverbs. And some of it's just getting, before you get in that situation, deciding, how am I going to deal with anger? Because it's hard in the moment. And that's not, really has nothing to do with parenting on that end, but just in life in general. But I do think that in the family and with children is when we see our real sin nature come out, right? Because we hide it from other people. We're better at hiding it. And I will respond or most of us will respond better to a perfect stranger than we do our own family members. And that is the truth, because we'll be polite to that guy, because we don't know that know them. But we don't do that as well with our children. And there's a balance there between uh, being who you are and being uh, just not trying to hide things all the time, being transparent, but also uh, living according to God's principles. That's a long, that's a hard question. That'd be a good Bible study topic. If you want to read this book. All right, let's close. Father, I thank you for the the scripture tonight. I thank you that you have commanded us to, to obey our parents and that you've provided that outlet for us to be trained up in righteousness. God, I do pray for the parents in our church in this, in this faith community. God, would you give us wisdom on how to raise our children 
according to the discipline of the Lord, that they would understand not just how to live, but also your grace and your beauty and the way that you love us and cherish us. And Father, I pray that they would understand that they are made in the image of God, that they are precious in your sight and that you have asked that they would come to you. God, I pray that you give all the parents patience and kindness. Give us wisdom as we seek to lead our children. And Father, tonight as we had this invitation, I just pray, Father, I just pray that you give us wisdom. And Father, if there's sin we need to confess, I pray that we would come and do it before you today. And Father, if we need to change some things that we've been doing, God, I pray that you would lead us in that right now as well. Speak to us through the Spirit. Speak to us through the Scripture. God, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.